When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 204 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, it's kind of crazy to think because the NHL season just recently came to an end with Vegas beating uh, Florida in the finals, but low-key, the Bruins season's been done for two months now, which is crazy. It's already been two months since they got eliminated, and and I bring that up because while the NHL season just ended, like, yeah. Don't look now, but we have we have the NHL draft and we have free agency within the next month happening. So it's the last two months has been difficult with the Bruins out and the playoffs continuing. But now here we go. It's back in their hands. Next season is now here for them. And and it starts this summer with with the draft and free agency and some storylines in between that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and it's it's crazy like how you go from so slow where there's been this long buildup where, Hey, they can talk to their free agents, like, but nothing really tends to happen. And then a week from Wednesday, first round of the draft, and that rolls right into start a free agency on July 1st. So it's like, everything gets crammed into like that week, week and a half. And, you know, probably 95% of the off season moves get done just during that time. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, not much happening with the Bruins yet. They did make one signing uh, on Monday. They signed goalie Brendan Bussey to a one-year extension, two-way contract. So in theory, he can move up between Boston and Providence um, next season if they need to. Obviously, as things stand now, he'll be the number one goalie down in Providence again, just like he was this past season. Uh, had a really good year down there as a first year pro. Um, but, you know, the the bigger discussion, one that we talked to Mark Diver about a few weeks ago, if uh, if people want to revisit that that podcast, is, you know, is but would Bussy be ready to be the NHL backup if they do trade one of Elmark or Swayman? Um, so, you know, that's that's interesting, but he's at least back in the fold and is a goalie that I think has a pretty promising future. Um, other than that, we're still waiting for all the other dominoes to fall. No other free agents have been signed, no trades or anything, but it's, it's all going to start happening fast because I mentioned draft being a week from Wednesday. 
you know, there's there's going to be trades around that time. Maybe the Bruins, maybe not. But around the league, we'll we'll definitely see some moves. Teams, you know, if if teams are making trades, they want to get draft picks and move around the board and all that stuff. So uh, it's going to start to get more exciting. We're kind of in like this one last quiet dead week before everything gets going, but it's coming fast. Yeah. And so I don't know where you guys want to start or if you want to go off of that, because we did get uh, a question about, or we, we wanted to talk a little bit about goaltending and how that might, how the Bruins goal goalie pieces might, uh, factor into moves they make ahead of the draft and somebody that we talked about before that the Bruins might be looking to trade would be Linus Allmark but over the past few days I've been seeing more people with the take that they don't think that that's a high priority for Bruins management would be to move Allmark um, even though we've kind of gone over how it would make a lot of sense seeing as you have two young goalies that could go in and um Bussy obviously not super, you know, hasn't had a whole lot of experience, but Swayman is right there to take up games if you need him to take up more. He, we both, we all three of us think he could. Um, but I saw, I believe, Ty Anderson uh, tweet out that he thinks that that's not one of the things that's at the top of the Bruins priority list. And I saw Bruins Cap Space, um, which is a Twitter account that kind of, helps explain some of where the Bruins are financially um, and how different moves would affect the cap and, and different things like that, that once again, he doesn't think that Allmark um, would get moved either. So it, it kind of, uh, it's something that we'll see as Scott mentioned, the drafts coming up, the cap, the actual cap is supposed to be announced this week. It's supposed to be announced before the draft um, before moves start getting made so that teams actually know uh, how to proceed and if they need to move more guys or need to make different deals. But um, so, yeah, coming into the draft, there's so many question marks for the Bruins, including uh, will they end up with the same goalies as they had last season? Yeah. And, you know, I think and Matt Porter jumped on the idea behind that, the, the Bruins cap tweet as well of uh, basically the, the idea was like, maybe Jeremy Swayman signs a cheaper, like one year kind of bridge deal. And then, you know, reevaluates like a longer term extension after the season, which I guess, Hey, if Swayman's willing to do that, then great. Like that, that helps the team. But Swayman could also say, you know, Hey, look, I've proven myself over two years now in the NHL and I deserve and should probably get more than a cheap one year bridge deal. So if he does the team a solid, great. But there's definitely also a possibility that like he doesn't want to do that and he does want something longer term and maybe for a little more money. Obviously, he doesn't have a ton of leverage as a restricted free agent, but if you're the Bruins and like you tried to play hardball, you'd also potentially open up the door for someone to offer sheet him and then you have to match that offer. And like it's not really the way you want to go with a young goal. You don't want to risk kind of muddying those waters or, or turning them into a bad relationship. So, you know, you, you can pitch it, but like if he's not really open to it, then you kind of, you know, you have to work with him to some extent. Like he, he, he's 24 years old. You don't really want to start like trying to grind him into the ground to save money because you have cap issues. Um, 
as far as, you know, trading Allmark not being a priority, like, I don't think anyone's ever thought that it was. You know, we've, ta- we've talked about it in the context of, like, yeah, of course, when it comes to clearing cap, when it comes to clearing money, yeah, like, naturally, you're going to look at the left side of the defense first, where you have Grizzly, Forbert, Riley. Trading one or two of those contracts makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, where potentially trading a goalie comes into play is, all right, what if you're not really getting much for those guys? What if you have to attach prospects or picks in order to move them? You know, all the reason you would trade Allmark is, one, because that is $5 million, and two, because he would actually have value and you would get something in return. Um, so it's not that they want to trade Allmark, but it's that they got to trade someone. They got to get money off the books somewhere. And if you're not willing to, you know, attach like a pick or a prospect to move a quote unquote bad contract, then maybe you decide that, hey, if we can get something of, you know, real value for Linus Allmark, maybe we go that route instead because we feel good still having Swayman. Yeah, I think I think Allmark is the guy that you need to circle for the reasons you just mentioned. He has he, he has a five million dollar cap hit right now. More importantly, uh, he has a modified no trade clause that kicks in this coming season, which was not in effect his first two years in Boston. Um, well, the first two years, yeah, he had a full no trade clause, I believe. Right, right, that's right. That's what I'm saying. So, like going into this year, now it's now it's a modified no trade yeah. clause. So. Um, whatever that entails, it's you know, it's just easier to to trade him, I guess, now because he had a full full no trade. But that's no longer applicable. But mainly for me, yes, you alleviate the five million dollars of cap space that he is currently um, allocating on your on your on your payroll, and he is the most he is the most valuable roster player that the that the Bruins would be willing to move. I mean, he's his stock will never be higher. He's coming off of a what will be a Vesna trophy winning season. And there are plenty of teams. Look, people might say, yeah, well, he didn't play great in the playoffs. That's fair. None of us here would really debate that, but he got them to the playoffs. And a, there are a lot of teams in this league that are, would be willing to take a chance on a goalie that can at least get them there and then see what happens. And, you know, I, I just, I just believe personally from a philosophical standpoint, Goaltending is, without a doubt, the most important position in hockey. That said, I really do believe it's the most replaceable position. I like. Not only do you have a guy like Jeremy Swayman in goal that is more than capable of being a full number one, you saw it here with Tuka Rask for years. He was your number one goaltender, and you had a carousel of backups come in that that gave you twenty to thirty games. Like, you, I mean, you go down the list like Alex Ald, um, Yaroslav Halak. Um, I mean, there Vladar, like there, Dobin. Dobin was a big one. Yeah, there's so mm-hmm. there's so many guys. I mean, there's so many guys, and you know, it's, the Bruins want to stay in the like, bubble. They had was it the bubble or Vladar was one of the backups, and well, yeah. that was when when Tuka left. Yeah, but yeah, but and I mean, Vladar got in for like five minutes and just got pelted by the lightning. Yep, correct. <laughs> the, the Bruins, the Bruins won a Stanley Cup with Tim Thomas, who was undrafted and was a phenomenal story journeyman. He was not the prototypical, this is how we're going to win a Stanley Cup. Let's get that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can, you can, it's the most important position, but you can find a way to, it's an easily replaceable position, at least more replaceable than, you know, like, like number one, number two center or 
number one defenseman. Like you can find goalies. And I just think that the Bruins owe it to themselves to sell high on this asset. Cause I just, I don't think he's integral to this team five years from now. Like they need to start restocking draft collateral. They need to alleviate cap space and they'll be just fine. I promise you with, with a combination of Jeremy Swayman and insert backup goalie here. And so do I think it's a priority? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe not number one, but if it helps, I think number one is clearing cap space and restocking their, their draft pool. And I think Linus Olmark is the most, um, like the biggest option to do that without f- really feeling it. Like he's, yes, he's a good player, but like, we'll move on. Everybody will move on. And so I, I, I'm, I would certainly want to move him before Swayman. Like I'd, I'd rather keep Swayman. He's younger. Um, I just, so anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think maybe one thing that, could stop them from making that all mark move would be whether or not they could get that draft capital that they think that that it's that all mark is worth right if they if no one's willing to or if people are trying to get a little bit give up a little bit less because they know the Bruins are kind of desperate in the situation to move cap um, and they want to make the argument that, okay, well, Armick was great in the regular season, but, you know, playoffs, he's struggled both playoffs with you. And um, other than that, before the Bruins doesn't have playoff experience. So if some team is trying to basically give the Bruins less than what they want, which I assume would be a first round pick and maybe, you know, other picks or pieces um, for Allmark, then maybe that's why they don't do it. Um, He's a move, and I know, Scott, you've brought this up before. Obviously, you can get a pick for next draft. Like, this doesn't technically have to be done before the draft, but it would kind of make sense if a team was willing to give up a first-rounder this year and take the leap on making Olmark their future goaltender, then that would be a move that would be made soon if it was about getting a pick for this draft. Um, Obviously, they could – wait get a get a future draft pick for drafts you know after this one but they're currently missing a first round draft pick this year so uh kind of seems natural to want to get one back if you could yeah i don't know if bridget if scott's frozen but i would hi scott (laughs) but um but but until he comes back you're, you're you're absolutely right i mean that's that's the situation where you wouldn't really trade on Mark. You wouldn't want to sell. Like, the whole point is to sell high, right? So if, 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 if you're not, if, if the market isn't letting you sell high because they feel like you're desperate or whatnot, then yeah, that's, that's when you don't, you don't want to get pantsed either, right? Like you want to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the cap, if you can move cap, that's great. But like, um, I mean, that's the bare minimum obviously, but you, yeah, you don't want to get pants. You want You want to make it, make sure it's, if you're going to do it, make sure you can optimize the deal. But yeah, people start playing, hardball then yeah it's, it's it's not automatic but in theory i do think people out there would be like especially here in boston whether it's been thomas or rask or swayman allmark like we really have like been fortunate with the gold like look at philadelphia philadelphia has not had an adequate goaltender in between the pipes in i mean decades so there are teams that now they're in a full rebuild right so maybe the Allmark doesn't make sense but there are definitely teams that haven't been graced in the goaltending department that Maybe that's just that's all they are away from from making the playoffs, and and they're willing to take that gamble on on a guy who won a Vesna Trophy, but wasn't the same guy in the postseason for one reason or another. Yeah, and I also think 
what's potentially interesting here is we know the NHL is a copycat league. So I also wonder, like, do teams look at what Vegas just did? Basically just throwing a bunch of different goalies out there and eventually Aiden Hill gets hot and like a team's maybe a little less likely to give up a lot for Olmark because they say, well, we can just kind of get a collection of guys and, and do the Vegas thing. I think some teams might think that, but Brian, to like the point you just made, there's other teams that have been cycling through goalies and unable to find a number one for years. So those teams are going to be like, we've kind of been trying the Vegas thing, uh, you know, unintentionally, and it's not working for us. So they, there's also teams that are going to be a lot more likely to be like, we want the guy. Like, we actually do want to go out and get a number one instead of just, you know, throwing a bunch of one and a half to two million dollar goalies at the problem. Let's go get someone who, you know, can be one of the best goalies in the league, has been one of the best goalies in the league. So um, for as much as Allmark's value may be not super high for some teams because they just look at what Vegas did, I think there's other teams that uh, would like more certainty than they have now and potentially still be interested in Allmark. Yeah, so the that's, you know, one of the bigger question marks heading into this uh, this year's draft and the craziness that's upcoming uh, and the moves that are going to be made before and after uh, and when free agency starts. So, Scott, one person that you were writing about this week that has come back up uh, as connected to the Bruins, someone that's come up before, um, as you mentioned, sometimes we hear this name come up with the Bruins come up and then it turns out they were never interested, but this one just seems to keep coming up, Scott, if you want to. Uh, um, yeah. And I, and I think they were interested at one point, they were definitely interested in all of Rackman Larson in the past. I, um, I mean, like in others, like about other players, like we hear rumors, yeah. oh, the Bruins are interested in, you know. JT Miller or whatever, but this time this one does come up a lot. Yeah, so people probably saw, but Oliver Ekman Larson got bought out by the Canucks. So he had four years left on his deal. Um the Canucks will now be paying millions of dollars of year a year against the cap through 2031 just to buy him out, just to get rid of that eight point whatever million dollar cap hit. So Eggman Larson is now a free agent and the Bruins were interested in him two years ago. I don't know that they were ever seriously close on a trade or anything like that, but they were definitely interested. Eggman Larson at the time reports were that there were only two teams that he was going to waive his no trade clause for Bruins or the Canucks. And he ended up going to Vancouver. Um, obviously didn't work out now that, you know, two years later they're buying him out, but Two years ago, Ekman Larson did have a good season. His first year in Vancouver was really solid. Not prime Oliver Ekman Larson when he was like a top 15 to 20 defenseman in the league, but definitely solid. And then he took another step back this year and had had a tough year. Um, but Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on the 32, po 32 Thoughts podcast already kind of started stoking these flames because they had the same first thought that I think a lot of people had. Jeff Merrick said, 
you know, we've talked about various teams that have made plays for Oliver Ekman Larson in the past. The Boston Bruins have been on that list. Friedman said, and he likes them referencing the fact that Ekman Larson was willing to go here in a trade. So naturally, like that's one of the first teams you think about it. Merrick points out that, you know, the Bruins are gonna have to get creative because of their cap situation. And I think it's worth exploring if, Ekman Larson is willing to take something like a cheap one-year prove-it deal. Like, say he's willing to come in for a million and a half dollars on a one-year deal, which I think actually makes quite a bit of sense from his perspective because he's trying to get his career back on track. He probably wants... He knows he's never getting $8 million again, but he probably wants one more decent payday, and he's not going to get it this offseason, not with the season that he's coming off, not with you know, so many teams facing a cap crunch. So try to have a bounce back season hit free agency again next summer. When it looks like the cap's probably going to jump by four to 5 million and teams will have more money to spend. Um, so it makes some sense from his perspective, from the Bruins perspective. Again, it's just, they're going to have to try to bargain hunt somewhere. Left side of the defense is not a super pressing need. As we've talked about, like, if anything, that's a position where they're actually trying to move a contract or two. But say they, you know, say they do trade Grizzlick and buy out Mike Riley. Well, okay, now you can bring in Ekman Larson, and your left side would be Lindholm, Ekman Larson, Forbert. Like, I could see something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you guys think? Worth, worth a gamble? Or you just think he's washed up? Stay away. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to me because when you look at, not that they don't play the same position at all, but it kind of feels like they might be in the same position to do what they did with Zaka. If they were to bring in Ekman Larson, which Zaka, who is younger, um, he's in his mid twenties, Ekman Larson, I think is about turn 32. Um, so obviously a different situation with the age, but Zaka came in, didn't have, he was going to just be here for a year unless they extended him. They let him prove himself and the Bruins liked what they saw. So they extended him mid season. Um, and you know, the rest is history. Now we know he's, he's going to be around for, I think it's another four years, right. For extension for, for Zaka. Um, I think it makes sense, especially if say you're not looking to trade all Mark and you are going to move one of your defensive pieces. If you can bring, you know, somebody that, has had such success in the past. He's another similarity to the Zaka situation. He Zaka was a, a six overall pick. Ekman Larson was a six overall pick in the first round back when he was drafted. Um, so these are, you know, he's a high draft pick. We've seen what his ceiling can be, but over the last few seasons, he's played fewer games. Um, things have fallen off. And obviously when a team buys you out, that's never, a, you know, that that's a sign of no confidence pretty much. Um, so that's the risk the Bruins would have to take. Do they need to take some big risks this offseason because of the cap situation? Yeah, they need to take at least some risk in order to try to evaluate talent that they can get for less money and plug it in and hope they were right that um, their evaluation was correct and that that person will seamlessly fit in. And it doesn't seem like a huge risk if you can get him on a team-friendly deal and, and do it as kind of a trial year. Um, after that, you know, what his contract would be after that, what he would want to do. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure it's on Boston's radar. If, if 
Ekman Larson said he like Boston's one of his top choices for somewhere to go. Obviously um, that could help solve some of the Bruins problems. I mean, I think if the Bruins are able to move some contracts around and you get him at the right price, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I mean, I, I, I don't believe that just because he had a couple of, or certainly at least one off season, I don't think players just, they don't just lose it like that. Like he's, he's still a good player if he's in the right situation. I mean, Vancouver has been an absolute dumpster fire for, for some time now. And I think he was just part of that. You come to a team with structure and, and just a better, well, I know things are gonna have to change a little bit, but a, a better roster, a better system. And I'm for, I guess, I guess my question is on a one year prove it deal. What would, what would the price tag be? Cause I, if it's like, you don't want to just like get rid of contracts just to re- replace them with a similar type contract. Like this one year prove it deal would have to be significantly cheap, like really cheap. Yeah. In, in my mind, I'm thinking like under 2 million. I don't know if that's totally realistic, but yeah, I think ideally like at least under, the contracts you're looking to move, like, you know, you get Grizzly at 3.8 and Riley and Forbert at three. And it's like, well, it's going to be less than that. Like if you're moving out a $3 million contract to free up money and fill in holes elsewhere, I don't think you're turning around and taking a flyer on another $3 million defenseman. So I think it would have to be less than that. It would have to be something where the Bruins save money in the process of bringing them in. Um, but yeah, I think it, to me, like, I feel like ideally Ekman Larson's on a third pairing at this point, but I could see a situation where he's lining up next to Brandon Carlo on the second pairing. And maybe you're just keeping, you know, monitoring his minutes a little bit, not letting him play 22, 24 minutes a game. Because I think that's been part of the problem in recent years is like he was still playing number one defenseman minutes in Arizona or, you know, Towards the end, there was a little bit of a crossover where Chikrin became the number one. He was the number two. In Vancouver, they're still playing him 20-plus minutes. And I think I think he was getting overused in both places still. So you would want him to be a little lower in the lineup. Um, another point to make here is that Ekman Larson broke his foot in World Championships last spring. And... Some like some of like the people in Vancouver that I've read said he looks slower this season, and there's kind of speculation, nothing confirmed that maybe he never fully recovered from that. So that'd be another thing you'd have to know. Like, is he healthier now? Because then that would be another reason to be like, okay, maybe he can have a bounce back season if his foot's feeling better and some of his speed comes back. Or is that still a problem that's lingering? Like if he's still dealing with a foot injury that never really healed right, well, then he's not going to be any faster and he's probably not going to bounce back. So I guess we're all kind of uh, in the same boat where maybe, yeah, if it makes sense to go for it, but if it's, if it's, if it's anything close to what you're, what you're moving out, especially financially, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, And like in terms of like who he'd be replacing, if he was replacing Grizzly, that makes it a tough situation for like, you know, Carlo worked well with Grizzlick. I think it would be a, it would bring Carlo down a little bit to have someone that wasn't quite as fast next to him as Grizzlick. Um, so, and I personally like Grizzlick um, on this team. So, it's that's who you'd be kind of, kind of trying to slide him in for. 
and I'm you'd note I think there would be a noticeable drop off in what at least in terms of the speed um, aspect of it and chemistry I guess because Grizzlick and Carlo have played together for um, for a while and they they know how to play with each other um, that's the those are the kind of things you'd be losing if that was the kind of replacement that you are you are making I, these would be two different separate deals obviously this would have to be a trade for Grizzly and bringing in um, Ekman Larson just as a free agent now, but um, yeah. So that's just something to think about with him, but obviously like we mentioned, the Bruins are not in the position to bring back everybody. So. Yeah. um, It's kind of a beggars can't be choosers situation. They, you know, they need to find some cheap options. Um, Yeah. And like versus Grizzly, like, look, if you just look at the last four years, I think Grizzlick's been a better player than Ekman Larson. But I also understand, you know, the Bruins are always looking for, and every team is, you know, bigger defensemen um, who have some mobility. Like we talked about it last episode, how that's kind of been a staple of the last several cup winners is having decors that are built that way. So Ekman Larson, you know, not like overly physical, you know, not really like a, super rough tough player but like he he is six foot two over 200 pounds and he, he will use it from time to time like you'll see him throw some hits and at in his prime he was a really good defender too again that's another area that's fallen off and you have to decide and, and try to figure out you know has that fallen off because he's just that much worse now or is it because he's played for two really bad defensive teams in arizona and vancouver so a lot to kind of weigh, but yeah, again, like Bruins are going to have to be doing some bargain hunting this off season. So if that's an option, you, you should at least be considering it. And I, I would be looking at like options like that kind of across the board. Like we've seen, it seems like every year now, especially these last few with the cap being flat or barely going up, there's always like free agents left, left over heading into training camp that are getting brought in on like professional tryouts and signing one year deals. Like, like I think back to like Mike Hoffman in St. Louis, whereas like he was coming off a 30 goal season and couldn't find anything in free agency. And he just goes into St. Louis on a professional tryout and training camp and then signs with them. And it's like, if you're the Bruins, like that's another thing I think later in the off season, they should probably explore is like, well, who's left in the free agency board. Who's, just willing to come in on, you know, a cheap one year thing. Like, so whether it's Ekman Larson now or, or someone later, it's, it's definitely a path that the Bruins are going to have to, you know, be, be looking at. Well, one question that I would want answered first, if I'm the Bruins and, and internally, they may already, internally, they may already know this answer. We just might not from the public perspective, but like, is Bergeron coming back? Because if Bergeron's not coming back and you're rolling out, Coyle and Zaka as your number one and two, number two center, and maybe Frederick is like, that's fine. That's fine. But if that's the case, then I'm not trying to shed salary just to like add anything back. I, I'm just going to shed as much cap space as I can and try to get as much yeah, in return for that, whether it's through trade or obviously free agents will just walk. But if Bergeron's coming back, then I could – then I could see a scenario where like, yeah, you're still trying to shed some cap space, but maybe try to find some, some bargain hunting deals too. But 
But if if he's not coming back, I'm my priority is more, more just focusing on just like roll out the cheapest team possible at least to start the year. Like I, I that's that's what I would do. And and that's not saying I'm conceding the season or I don't want to do well. I th- I, th- I think the Bruins do have enough pieces in place that they can roll out a, a an inexpensive roster. Um, based off what's already on their books and they can still be competitive for a little bit. I'm just, it just depends. And and I think heading into the draft and certainly free agency, like the, the Bruins need to know what, what Bergeron is doing. And like I said, they probably already do. We just don't. But like, if you want to make, if you want to maybe make some trades prior to, to, to draft day, or you want to make trades on draft day, I guarantee you a lot of that's hinging on what Bergeron has decided to do. So that's a little, just a little asterisk for me when we're talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. both Sam and Krejci were going to give their answers before, before that, so that at least Sweeney and management had the ability to make moves to try to fill in those gaps if that's what they, if that's what they needed to. And we had a previous episode about six potential um, centers that they might target. Scott wrote an article up on wei.com. Uh, about laying out those six centers that you know maybe could end up in Boston if Bergeron was gone. But um sorry Scott, did you have something to say before I um yeah I was gonna say I don't really think the Bruins are necessarily in this situation because they're so tight to the cap. But even if even if you're rolling out like a mostly younger lineup and just kind of seeing how things go, I think it can still be worth like signing a veteran veteran or two on a flyer. Because if you're talking about ways to potentially recoup draft picks in coming years, well, signing someone who might be a commodity at the trade deadline is not the worst way to do that. Like you, you bring in someone cheap, put them in position, maybe they have a pretty good season, and then you can flip them at the trade deadline and get a second round pick or something like that. So, um, you know, I think that's a mistake to me that like some rebuilding teams make is like not using that as a strategy more. Cause I think some teams have done it. And I think it's very smart. Like Montreal basically did that with Evgeny Dadanov this past year, where it was like, they signed him and you're like, why the Canadian signing Evgeny Dadanov? Like what, what purpose is he serving? It's like, well, he had a decent season and they traded him to Dallas. So, um, you know, that's like also worth keeping in mind as far as um, even if the Bruins take a step back, like it's still not the worst idea in the world. If there's, you know, if Oliver Ekman Larson really wants to play here and he signs, you know, without a no trade clause in place on a one year deal, like if things aren't going well, you could potentially turn around and flip him at the deadline. Yeah, that's a good point that, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't have thought of, but Scott's on top of it. <laughs> and so uh, I'm, I'm auditioning for for general manager jobs. So oh, okay, yeah. Let mm-hmm. us know. Then the skate pod will have all the inside, all the inside scoops. Scott will Scott will let us know right away. Um, <laughs> but, that franchise is like four cups in the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was because you bring up Bergeron, um, maybe a good time to transition to a little bit back to the center conversation that we were having um, because we had one comment slash question from that, that podcast we did two weeks ago about um, this, you know, potential centers to bring in and, and what the Bruins uh, 
would look like down the middle uh, if Bergeron was gone. So the comment was from Patrick Matsy, uh, Masty. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, he said, uh, you need a strong number one center, which we had talked about options for younger centers um, to bring in like uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, for example, was one of them and said, even if Bergeron comes back, he should be three C, which means trade Charlie Coyle, Frederick as four C. So um, we didn't have a chance to address that previously, but there's reasons why that would be pretty difficult for the Bruins to do. Scott, if you wanted to start out with a, your explanation of of what you think on that. Yeah, well, for starters, I mean, I, I like the idea of like trying to lessen Bergeron's workload. But I mean, realistically, like he's on any team, he's still a top two center. So um you know, you're not like you're not lining him up as a number three center. Manage his minutes more, absolutely. Which by the way, the Bruins did this past season. Like his minutes were down in a lot of games. Um as far as Coyle, yeah, like, on the surface, yes, his name should be included with Allmark, Grizzlick, Hall, you know, maybe DeBrus, like any other players you're talking about trading to to free up salary. I mean, Charlie Coyle makes $5.25 million. And while I think we all we all like Charlie Coyle and we like what he brings to the team, like, that is that is an overpay. Like, he he's just in terms of a pure value, he's probably not worth that money. Uh, the problem is, is I think other teams around the league know that and don't, they've, they've seen that generally when he's tried to move up to number two center, it can work for a game or two here and there, but it's not, there's not really enough offense in his game for it to be a long-term solution. Um, you know, the it might have to be for the Bruins this year. If Bergeron and Krejci both retire and they, can't find a number two center or number one center. Like they might have to just out of necessity, but for the most part, like we know he's, he's ideally suited as a number three center. He's one of the better number three centers in the league, but most teams aren't paying their number three center over $5 million. So, and three years left on his contract. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of teams willing to take that on. And if you're the Bruins, like you're probably not trading them if it means, retaining salary or anything like that. Like you, you don't want to do that. So I just, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, by, by the way, he also has a, a no move clause, I think um, an 18, no trade list. So, I mean, you can work with that. It's not like he can block half the league, but it doesn't seem likely to me because I don't think there's a lot of teams that would want to take on that contract. And I don't think the Bruins are going to want to retain salary because even if Coyle is a little overpaid, they, they still like him and they still value him in that room. So um, sure, you can explore it, but I would be surprised if Charlie Coyle gets traded. Yeah, as would I, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, Scott. I mean, also, you're losing Krejci. You're losing Bergeron, if not this year, next. Do you really want to lose another center? Like, it's not really a position of strength right now. Um but now I know I know in the in, in the question that they were posing they were they were assuming that the Bruins bring in another number one center in the league along with Bergeron and Zaka. I just don't I just don't see that ever being a situation. So that's that's yeah. If you had another number one caliber caliber center and Bergeron and Zaka, like okay, 
maybe, but like that, that that's not going to happen. So at least I don't think, um, but um, I'm trying look, to imagine too, what a third line with Bergeron would look like. Like, well, who's never his... gonna, I mean, Bergeron's not a third line center. I mean, to, just to Scott's <laughs> point, it's like, you know, if you have, if you have a center on this team, that's pushing Bergeron down from the number one line. Zach would be the, th- the third center, not not Bergeron. But just on Coyle. Unless, quick, no, but no, not necessarily. Because if you wanted to keep Zaka with Pasternak and that would be your second line still, mm-hmm. then yeah. that would move. Ber- like, I mean, it's all semantics. You can call whatever line, yeah. your first line, your second line, whatever. But yeah. it, it would become more of like a situation of kind of what Vegas did this year, where it's like you have three really balanced lines. You know, like their number three center was William Carlson, who's certainly better than like your average number three center, but it's because they would basically put like two top six forwards on each of their top three lines and then kind of balance it out with like a, a Brett Howden there or Michael Amadio here or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was just more so making, making the point. I just don't think it's going to be a situation where <laughs> that's the case. I think Coyle's here to stay the at least for next year like you look at his stats the last couple of years also it's to your point Scott about him being like one of the better number three centers in the league yes but he's also being overpaid because 2021-2022 season and then this past season both 82 game seasons so what are you paying for there you're paying for durability and I think that's something worth mentioning too that stats don't always you know the, the scoring stats don't always encapsulate right he's he's an 82 game per year player, which is important, um, at least the last two years. And both years, 16 goals. Um, two years ago, 28 assists. Last year, 29, 44 points, 45 points. Um, his face-off percentage went up about three point, uh, 3% um, since last season. I think that's important, too. Are you overpaying him from a from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, I mean, five-plus five million dollars for a 40 Four forty-five point guy. It's a lot of money. Um, I just think like if you're losing Bergeron this year and next year, we know Krejci's going. You're not center's not a position of strength. You're not you're, you're not trying to just get rid of your other one of your other centers right now. And I just don't see a situation where you're going to have a new number one center in addition to Bergeron, Krejci, and uh, Bergeron, Zaka, and Coyle, where there's going to be too many chefs in the kitchen to have to trade somebody. And if you did want to trade him to Scott's point, I don't know how many teams would take on that contract if there's no Bruins retention. So I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, I understand the question. I respect it. I just, I don't see it being very realistic that he's going to be traded and for many reasons. Yeah. And Coyle also got a lot more defensive zone shifts this past season, put in the work to become one of their top penalty killers. So like there's a little more added value where he's not just, a five on five player. We know he's not, he's been on the power play before, but he's not a big power play guy, but now he is a big PK guy. So like there's also value there. So um, one thing, one of the things I think is interesting though, about this is in the next couple of years, like they're going to start to have some young centers coming along, you know, Georgie Merkulov is probably the closest, but you know, potentially like a Matthew Quattro or Brett Harrison in the next couple of years, too and it is sort of interesting that like if coil's just locked in as that number three center on the one hand it's like all right that's nice stability but on the other it kind of puts some other centers in a spot where it's like okay well either you're the number four center or you're playing in the top six like 
you're either stuck behind coil or you have to jump them, which is just like a little interesting because we've seen centers come up and like that number three center spot is sort of, you know, it's a good place for like a young center to start to establish himself where all right, you're in the top nine, but you're not being relied on for 18 minutes a night just yet. Um, and the Bruins sort of have that spot, like just blocked off for three more years. So I do think that like, especially with someone like Merkulov, who's getting close, it's like, you could see a situation, you know, whether it's this season or next season where it's like, all right, we'd really like to run with Georgie Merkulov as our number three center and see what he does. You know, I think back to like David Krejci starting as a number three center. Like that's a good spot for a young center with some offense to kind of find himself. And it's like, well, is Coyle still going to be there? And now it's like, all right, well, either Merkulov has to be a fourth line center or be ready for the top six. Yeah. And to the last point of the comment, Trent Frederick, I do think is ready to make the move. Like I think that he could make the move to center. Obviously when he started breaking into the system, he was tried out at center, moved to wing. It seemed to make more sense there. He'd been playing third line wing most of the season this past season, but he can play center. Um, and if, as we mentioned, Tomas Nosek is a free agent. If he doesn't sign with the Bruins, they will be in need of a fourth line center. Potentially Frederick makes the most sense for them there. He's a restricted free agent. So they're also, um, you know, negotiating a contract with him as well as Swayman. So that makes things a little bit, a little bit more complicated, not too much though expected for Frederick to sign back with Boston, but, um, yeah, it would, it would, it creates a, a difficult situation that, uh, Charlie Coyle is your, this past season, he was your highest paid center. Obviously it didn't make a difference because you got two veteran guys to take a team friendly deal. So whatever, um, it kind of evened things back out. But then when you, when you talk about Bergeron and Krejci leaving, you're not going to pay another number one center, you know, the kind of contracts that Bergeron and Krejci had. So then you're stuck and you're stuck in the situation where that Charlie Quill contract does look worse and does affect the team more. If you keep him at, as your third line center, when he's getting paid much more than that. Yeah. And I, I think where there's a will, there's a way like if, eventually if the Bruins have to move him for some reason, maybe they want to see uh Merkulov get some opportunity or, if the Bruins are ever in a situation where around a trade deadline, they're not in a playoff position or like, I do think with the asterisks being that they would probably have to retain maybe some salary. Sure. But I, I do think like you could see coil going to a contender at, at, at a deadline in the next couple of years of the Bruins are in a place where they're competing. And, you know, because they're not competing, they don't really mind retaining a little bit of salary because they're not really trying to go for a cut. They're just trying to, you know what I mean? So it, when it gets to the point where they they start to value giving some younger players more opportunity and they see a veteran standing in the way and they're also not really playoff bound, there's there'll there'll be a way to move them. I just think when I hear this question, I'm 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 thinking about it like going into this season. I don't see it realistic going into this season, but as the years go on, like yeah, there there will be a way to move him if if, if they have to. And this is also not to say that. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Charlie Coyle as a Bruin because I think he does bring a lot of value. Some Both of you kind of brought up 
um, what he brings to the team. He's he's a bigger guy. He you know he showed his value even in that first round of the playoffs. He was one of the guys that I thought stepped up um, and did what he needed to do in the first round, especially when Bergeron and Krejci were out. But it's just it's the contract really that that when you come down to it, it's it's that contract that that makes us have to have these conversations. Um, he's, he's a decent player for sure. And ever since he had that knee surgery, he's looked better, right? When, when he came into the Bruins, he was questioning needing surgery. And then once he finally got it, he does seem to be playing better. Um, he looks different and you know, that that's only been a positive for the Bruins once he got that done. Yeah. And Bridget, because you uh, brought up Trent Frederick, it just kind of remind me of this. Did you guys see like there was a little rumor slash report uh, about Frederick? It was it's from Andy Strickland, who's based out of uh, St. Louis. So there's the connection there with Frederick being from St. Louis. Um, but he tweets something about like basically like keep an eye on Trent Frederick, like, you know, interesting restricted free agent uh, Bruins, you know, teams know that like they have salary cap issues, someone, could potentially make an offer, you know, offer sheet Frederick. And I find it interesting, like uh, maybe, you know, he really is hearing that, but I also kind of wondered like, all right, if he's from St. Louis, he's probably, you know, kind of tied into Frederick's camp. Like, could that also just be someone sort of trying to pump up Frederick's value a little, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess I don't rule it out. You know, Frederick did have a career year, like 17 goals while playing, bottom six minutes is is pretty good and just about all of them were five maybe all of them were five on five because he's not a power play guy and you know he does some penalty killing but he's not used a ton there either so um like i understand like there would be some interest there but i guess i'd be a little surprised if someone does offer sheet them unless unless like word gets out that the bruins are lowballing him or something or negotiations aren't going well but yeah, I fully expect him to re-sign with the Bruins, obviously. I think there's mutual interest. He said after the season, like, this is where he wants to he wants to be. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. So I'm assuming they're going to get something done. But, you know, that did, did kind of get thrown out there of, you know, someone trying to push that, you know, hey, maybe there's going to be going to be some interest and someone might try to poach him from the Bruins. The the biggest thing for me that I took away from when I talked to him in the on breakup day was uh he was funny. So like I he doesn't necessarily like answer things like, you know, I would say like the Patriot White, like you know what I mean? Like I know it's the Bruins, but um super polished media wise. It was funny when he said he would be excited for the opportunity to take over one of those center roles. Most other guys were like oh we really hope Krejci and Bergeron come back and Frederick was like yeah it'd be great if I could be like a higher up center and I was just kind of laughing I was like all right well but at least that shows me he really feels like he has an opportunity on the Bruins to get that get a role that that he's interested in so that would make me think he would want to stay in Boston um he also straight up said he wanted to stay in Boston but once again that's kind of something everybody feels like they have to say um but if the role is available for him to step up into a number three or four center role, um, and or at least he sees that in the next few years he could get there um, and, and, you know, play that position that he's wanting to play, 
it gives them the incentive to sign back here. Yeah, and I think I think the Bruins obviously want him to come back as well, being a homegrown drafted player. And um, the Bruins haven't been known to get a ton of applause for their draft picks that much over the last you know six, seven, eight years. So uh, he's definitely one that's been uh, panning out. And, and, and he, you know, he was questioned a lot, right? He's a first-round draft pick um, and a center and really hasn't been a, a true center in Boston. He's finally getting his, his mojo going as a wing and – um, on a third line role, but I think, yeah, it looks good in the Bruins that he's, he had, he had a career year last year and is starting to, to, to find confidence in this league and at this level. And so I think both parties are probably mutually interested in getting something done at a, at a fair, fair value. Um, either yeah. of you guys have, yep. Sorry. Go ahead. By the way, the, the guy I, and I think many others wanted the Bruins to draft over Frederick was Alex Debrinkit, who clearly would have been a better pick, but also in the news, cause he's one of the top, Top trade targets uh, on everyone's trade boards this offseason. Sounds like he's probably on his way out of Ottawa. So don't think the Bruins will be a player. You know, they're not. They just don't have the cap space to add a player like that. But uh, we'll be interesting to see where where he ends up, though. Why Why is that? Um, what's What's going on with him in Ottawa being on a young up-and-coming team? And Yeah, I don't know. I haven't fully, like, read into it. But it definitely seems like either not a good fit there or – or whatever. I mean, the centers do have a lot of wings like that. That's actually somewhere. They're pretty loaded. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Seems, seems like it hasn't really worked out as well as everyone was hoping there. So. All right. Uh, either of you guys have any final thoughts before we, uh, sign off? No, I think we covered most of what we were planning on talking about. Yeah, I'm all good. Not that we don't have other thoughts, uh, <laughs> but if you if you make us keep going, we'll talk for another two hours probably. But <laughs> all right, very good. Well, if that's the case, uh, Scott, I'll let you get back to journaling. And um, we... <laughs> what are you journaling, Scott? I'm not journaling. <laughs> not that I'm not doing anything. Your diary. <laughs> I got a right. lot of thoughts left. All right, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you very soon.